I have read that you can still visit Lazarus' tomb in Bethany. It's easy to find. It's right across the street from the Lazarus souvenir and gift shop. For a small fee, you can go down a windy set of stone stairs and enter a wet, cold cellar. And then if you want to go into the tomb, you have to go through this small, round opening carved into a rock wall. And the opening is only knee-high. So folks who want to go into the tomb have to crawl in on their hands and knees, being very careful not to bump their head or scrape their back. Now, friends, that means that if this is Lazarus' tomb, that he didn't come walking out of it like a man released from prison. No, instead, he, he would have emerged like a baby being born. First his poor shrouded face, and then his bandaged hands, and then his legs and feet all tied up with strips of cloth. If you really think about it, it's terrifying and wonderful all at the same time, isn't it? A dress rehearsal for Jesus' own resurrection, and at the same time, a story that rams home the great truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has dominion over death. It's the best news that could ever be. His love, his grace cannot be defeated. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live, and those who live and believe in me shall never die. No wonder centuries of Christians have heard this story and been comforted that because Christ has dominion over death, we no longer need to fear it. Millions upon millions of sermons have been preached on this text, telling us what we can know in Christ individually, this comfort that, that Jesus is going to call us out of our tombs and resurrect our lives, call us into the light, promise us eternal life. And of course, all of those things are wonderful and true. But friends, if the only thing we get from this text, the only thing we glean from the story of Lazarus' resurrection is assurance of our own, then we're missing a major point of this text, a point that moves us beyond ourselves, beyond what Christ can do for us and what Jesus calls us to do for our neighbor. Did you catch the detail at the end of the story? Lazarus emerges from the tomb all bound up in these grave clothes and Rather than walk over and set the man free, Jesus turns to the people assembled there and says to them, unbind him and let him go. You see, friends, death and what can be done about it, well, that's in Jesus' hands. But in our hands, a lot of the time is deliverance. There's an old hymn of the church, one of my favorites. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The tie that binds us together as the church is also the one that calls us out into a ministry of unbinding, you see. All around us in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in the places we work, in our city, in our county, in our state, in our country, our brothers and sisters who are tightly bound by the grave clothes of racism, 
injustice, inequality, oppression. They are tied up by wrong ways of thinking, irrational fear, sinful prejudice, dangerous and disastrous behaviors. And friends, we, we the church, are called to, to join in this ministry of unbinding so that all of us, brothers and sisters in Christ, all of us, God's people, all of us, can live and thrive in freedom and equality and in love. You know, this past week, once again, I was very, very proud to be the pastor of this great church. I felt that way a lot since I've been here this past year, but I, I felt that acutely, that deep sense of pride and of gratitude for you this past week because I heard from so many of you who asked me what the church's response should be to the turmoil that is going on in our city and in our country right now. And friends, just the fact that you understand that the church has a response, the church must respond, the church cannot remain silent and be the church in this time, well, that tells me so much about who you are, about your hearts of love and great faith and your commitment to follow in the ways of Jesus Christ. You understand, church, that we are called to this ministry of unbinding. So in this time, what does God call us to do as the church? What is our response at this time, in this place in history? Well, first, friends, I think the church is called to lament. Lamenting in the biblical tradition is a public expression of grief, of pain, the book of Lamentations in the Hebrew Scriptures is a great example of lamenting. When we lament, that is a, a public thing, and it is a, an expression of pain and grief in solidarity with our brothers and sisters. This is a time we cannot remain silent, you see, because silence is complicity. And so then we, the church, are called to publicly lament. We lament the killing of George Floyd, who died bound on the ground, crying out that he could not breathe. We lament the pain and the grief of his family, his friends, and of the black community. We lament the loss of his life, all he could have done if he had been allowed to live. And we lament the effects of systemic racism and white supremacy that have oppressed and killed people of color and still oppress and kill people of color. Lamenting, friends, speaking up as the church at this time is one of the ways that we engage in this ministry of unbinding. Second, friends, as the church, this is a time for listening. I want to especially challenge the members of our church who are white to listen carefully 
to our black brothers and sisters who are brothers and sisters of color. Now look, I know that looting and vandalism and smashing police cars rightly makes us shudder because those things are crimes, but we cannot let the actions of a small fraction of people drown out the voices of pain. We must listen to our brothers and sisters, listen to their experiences, listen to their stories, listen to their feelings, listen to their opinions, listen to their hopes, listen to their wisdom. Listen through conversation, listen through reading and study, Listen to understand. Listen to learn. Listening, friends, especially in a time such as this, is a holy act. And it is one of the ways we, the church, engage in our ministry of unbinding. And finally, friends, we must act. Lamenting, yes, important. Listening, absolutely important. But we must act as the church. And to act rightly and justly, I think we have to ask ourselves some really hard and important questions. And I want to give credit to my colleague, Dr. James Howell, for help with these. So here are some questions we can ask ourselves first. Who do you bike with, or walk with, or hang out with? Who are your friends? And where do you do those things? Where do you bike, or walk, or hang out? Parents, who do your children play with? Who do your youth hang out with? Where do you do business? Where do you shop? Where do you eat out? Where do you go when you have a day off? How do you engage in conversations with the people in your life, including your children, about the issue of race? How do you talk about that? How do you vote and why? How do you think we as the church can be anti-racist, can live as anti-racist people in the world. Because friends, you gotta understand, we are called to more than neutrality as a people of God. We can't just say we are not racist, that's not enough. We are called to be anti-racist. How can we live as anti-racist people in this world? Friends, I'm convinced that as we prayerfully attempt to answer those questions, we will be guided in how to act, how to live out our ministry of unbinding. You know, in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis, is one of the most profound questions human beings have ever asked of God. And it comes from Cain, of all people. Am I my brother's keeper, he asks. And friends, throughout Holy Scripture, God's unequivocal answer 
is yes. Yes. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, says the prophet Micah. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God? A young lawyer asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love God with your whole being, with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, you say, hang on that. My friends, only Jesus Christ can raise people from the dead. But we, we often have deliverance in our hands. The tie that binds us together in Christian love calls us boldly into a ministry of unbinding. Will you pray with me? Most holy God, you have entrusted to us such sacred work, this ministry of unbinding so that all may live in love and equality and freedom. And Lord, we know that if you entrust work to us, that means you believe that we have the power to do it because you give it to us. And we remember the words of Holy Scripture that the one who has begun a good work in you will see it through to completion. Lord, let us be bold and do this work of unbinding in the name of Jesus who sets us free to live. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.